Welcome to Opinion Havers, a movie podcast for crime nephews. I'm Cody. And I'm Tyler. Tyler, what did we watch? We watched Baby Driver. More importantly, why did we watch Baby Driver? We, Cody, let me tell you, you may not be aware of this, but something, something happened recently, Cody. Something momentous in our lives, all right? You finished your basement theater. Now, as I say, you may not be aware of this, but Cody, you're probably aware of it. All right. So I, in my infinite wisdom, I suggested we watch a special movie. Yeah. Special. I gave you a list of movies. One of them, what was it? Interstellar, a movie you've actively complained that we have never actually recorded on. Mm -hmm. And you chose Baby Driver. Well, the thing about Interstellar is... I watched it. <laughs> so did, did you I. watch it too? We watched it together. We watched it to record it. And then you were like, honestly, I don't even, I'm going to have to rewatch it to do it. <laughs> so that's, you know, it's, you say, it's not even like, <laughs> it's not like I refused to watch Interstellar. I watched it. I sat down, I viewed all four hours of it, and I was like, this is going to be real fun to talk about. And then, you know, you were like, I'm going to be honest, I tuned out about, three minutes into that movie or whatever it was the whole thing was we watched it and then like two months later you're like all right you ready to record this thing i don't remember any of this movie i don't remember what our listeners can take away from this is that our time management is average to low you know yeah bad it's not good but you know how efficient we were this time yesterday morning like a movie is happening which one is it and uh, I made you, I said the baby driver. I got my friend to meet me. <laughs> Here's the thing. I was like, I want to watch it for sure. But I want to watch a disc so I get the best audio experience. That's the whole point. I have surround sound once again in my life. Near and dear. I made my friend bring his copy of it. And I borrowed it. 4K, Ultra, whatever disc. Plopped it in there. Sounded amazing. You can't buy Baby Driver <clears throat> anywhere. It's not in Redbox. It's not at Target. It's not at Walmart. It's not at Best Buy. <clears throat> in stock, at least. Uh, All of these places will ship it to you 100%. That is feasible. It is 100%. You can buy it on Amazon. You can get it as long as you don't want it within 12 hours. The only way to get it within 12 hours, so far as I know, is to know a guy. I know a guy, I did it, I watched it, and let me tell you about this. You, Tyler, I always ask you the synopsis. Let me tell you, I'm taking over, all right? I'm not asking, I'm telling. I'm doing it. Baby Driver is a movie by Edgar Wright based on a Simon and Garfunkel song. That's all you need to know, but I'll tell you a little bit more. It's about a hot youth played by Ansel Igor. It drives cars, and he has tinnitus. He's a getaway driver. And he's a sweet boy. That's all you need to know, all right? Let me tell you. It's like if a music video was also an action film, which was also a comedy, all right? It's it's all together. It's the music. It's the action. It's the driving. It's the heisting. And there's a sweet little story, too, with uh, love interest. Amazing. What a great movie. I loved it. Tyler, what did you think? I liked it. I thought it was good. I thought it was a good time. That's what I thought. It was a good time. 
you texted me mad. You were mad at me. Like, how did you make me wait this long to see this movie? Yeah. I didn't blame you exclusively for this, for that. All right. It's your fault. I'm looking at your face, and I'm seeing whose fault it is. All right. When did we start this podcast? A year. 20 years ago? I don't know. 2018? 2017. This movie is 2017. Here's the thing about this movie. I saw it. And I was mad because no one else saw it. You know, no one else was watching this movie. I was like, this is a great movie. I went to a dance. I don't like dances, but you know, once a year I go to one and then realize it was a mistake. Right. I was at a dance. I was like, I'm not having a good time. And I convinced like five other people to leave the dance and go to a showing of Baby Driver on like <laughs> Friday at 10 p.m. It was delightful. So you know, Tyler, maybe if you went to more dances, you would have seen this movie. Like, that's how much I like this movie. I was like, I got to see it a second time, and I have to leave the current social function I'm at to go do it, and I got other people to go with me. So that's where we're at, all right? So, Cody, you're, basically what you're saying is you're the person that my mom warned me about at the dances. You went to the dance with all the sweet boys and girls, and you said, come with me, children. Come to see this, this R-rated heist movie. Yeah, follow the devil, children. That's what you did. Yeah, and they exactly. followed you. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, I was like the Pied Piper. You know, I was just leading them. <laughs> I was fluting and skipping, and like, we uh, we made it over to the R-rated movie. It was great. Like, real talk, though, you had it like somebody. That's like something like an old lady would use in a Sunday school lesson, right? <laughs> like, this is what happens well, when I... you go to dances. Yeah. It's been a long time since that happened, but I just remember being like, I'm, I'm going to go. And they're like, oh, you're going to, I want to see that too. I was like, I guess a gaggle of us are leaving this dance. <laughs> you uh, know, there's always those people. Here's the thing about dance people. This is what no one tells you. Yeah. Dance people, like the people that put on the dances and love to dance, they just assume that everyone, everyone is the same way. Yeah. It's kind of like how I have this podcast assuming that other people want to, <laughs> watch movies like this you know mm-hmm. but dance people are the worst you know i've got this podcast out here and if you want it you can seek it out right dance people are like obviously we're going to do a dance you're coming because why wouldn't you because like, i don't like dances no no but it'll be fun i was like right but i'm telling you i don't have fun it's like no it's a dance you love to dance i love to dance it's like no you love to i don't this is you don't understand i can't tell you how many times i had this conversation you know and uh you know it's a better time than to dance? I'll tell you right now. Baby driving. It's a better time. I mean, you're you right. can confirm. You're right. I spent a full 35 minutes of that dance, regretted all of it. Spent two hours in the theater watching Baby Driver, zero regrets. I feel you. Tyler, I feel that. Tyler you ever go to a dance and just leave? Let me tell you. <laughs> it's very empowering. It feels great. It's like I've got control of my life back. You know what I'm saying? Cody, let, let me tell you. Let me regale you with a story here. I went to a dance once. I had been I had been coerced, as everyone who goes to a dance has been, by the four people that actually want to be there. <laughs> I walked. I got there and I sat there in the car and had that like, I don't want to be here moment. You know, I made myself walk in. I stood there. 
I said hi to one of my friends. You know? Realized most of my friends weren't there. And that like the handful that were there were like the people that they were the dance people. So it's like you're not hanging out with them. They're gone. They're gone. All right. Unless you're willing to sprint around the room all night, you're not keeping up with these people, and I'm not willing to do that. So I stood there and looked around. So I walked in. The the timeline is walk in the building. Walked in the door. We're about five seconds into the dance. What's up, dude? Oh, hey, dude. Gone. Friend gone. Friend barely says hi to me. (laughs) Gone. Stood there for another maybe 15, 20 seconds. Said, all right. Turned around and walked out, and they went home. And I was like, well, that was a waste of gas. <laughs> and it was, uh, like you said, it's empowering. And then got a text an hour and a half later from that same friend. Hey, man, where'd you go? I went <laughs> home over an hour ago. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. If you're a dance person you're listening, I just need you to re-examine your life, you know? Just ex- I don't you know just accept that uh, dances suck. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Just just it was just like let, it. let's sink in with everybody for a second. Nah. Bad. So baby driver's pretty good though. Uh really is. <clears throat> is there anything else we need to say to tee this one up? Uh Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. I'm ready if you're ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. Uh, so, do you, are we just gonna hop right into this Subaru that you, that you got here? This, you know, and just just dive right into it. Just, just ram right on, you know, right over there. Let me tell you, Cody. I live next to a road. All right. Ooh, As most people fancy. do. Here's oh. the difference. I live next to a four lane highway. And the acoustics of it are that I hear everybody's engines. And when I tell you, Cody, I've developed a hatred for people who probably love this movie. So much so that I've considered, I'm like, I think I'm going to be, I'm going to have to become like some kind of, I need to get some kind of projectile weapon and be the guy that just takes little pot shots of people when they're revving their engine. When you drive... A ninety, a crappy, rusted out ninety-two Civic. Your engine should not be so loud that it wakes me up at two o'clock in the morning, because you're having to go from stopped to going. Like if you're like firing off that line super fast, that's one thing, but when I look down there and you are backing out of your parking spot. And like, <laughs> I need you to stop. I need you to get rid of that car or I'm going to blow it up. All right. That's your only two options. All right. I'll park my car next to it. So mine gets blown up too. I got insurance. It'll be fine. All right. You don't have insurance. Let's be real. If you have that car, you don't have insurance on that car and you're a bad person. Am I right? Or am I right? You're definitely right. And I think this is just a, another argument for the electric car, you know? Electric cars, too quiet, you know? Oh, I know. They'll just leave you in peace, and they can still go fast, you know? Yeah. Anyway, so do you want to rant first, or you want me to rant first? Who's, who's ranting first? I mean, how spicy are you feeling? I mean, 
I'm riled up now thinking about the people that are revving their engines going half a mile an hour. It's like shift out of neutral, dude. And that's I got it. Here's that's the key. That's the solution. That's a that's a good pro tip. If you if you're the kind of guy that you know drives a manual, I would advise you getting out of neutral. You know. Yeah. You it's go a good into place first. To be. If you're trying to get some momentum, I would recommend yeah. not not neutral for yeah. gears. So here's what you do. You go from neutral. You're at the stop sign, the stoplight, right? You go, right. You go, you go into first gear, right? Yeah. Start going. And when the engine is like, Wah. second gear, Wah. Mm-hmm. third gear, all right? You shift. That's the key. So the clutch, mm. that's, the, that's the pedal on the left side, all right? Yeah. And you push that down, and you go into the other gear. So you got your first, and then you can go pop, pop, down. You just go pop, pop, down into second yeah. and then you go up to the right and up and that's third gear and then guess what cody oh we got fourth gear that's pop pop that's just down again twice now a lot of people seem to like to go from second gear back into first gear mm. that's not what you want to do you want to go second third all right you're going up in numbers yeah when a semi using his his air brakes is less loud than you. You have a problem, or it's you got a problem. It's quieter than you. This, you know, this problem. You seen, you seen the SNL skit? It was like a pretty recent one, where it's like a, it's like a vehicle heist, and it's Chris Red, and he's like the, you know, it's like oh, the mastermind and the hacker and the driver, you know, Chris Red is the driver, and they do the whole thing to get in, get him in the car, and he doesn't know how to drive stick, <laughs> like he doesn't know what it is. <laughs> he's like, there's some sort of weird driving system on this thing and they're like what are you talking there's like an extra pedal like yeah it, it's a manual <laughs> do you do you not know how to drive manually it's a pretty good one this sounds good i was asked recently if i knew how to drive standard by somebody the same age as me and i was like first off shut your face all right standard. second off yes the guy asking me with the attitude, actually, the guy who initiated the question directed at me is slightly mm-hmm. older than me. And then asked it with, can you even drive a standard? Like, I'm not the youngest person in the car. The youngest person is the one who owns the manual transmission car. Yes, I can drive a stick. Then yeah. the old guy, the older guy, not old, again, a few years older maybe, was like... Oh, I can't drive one. I was like, what? Then why'd you come at me with such ferocity? Like, what about you, you young whippersnapper? Do you even know what this is? Yes. <laughs> what do you mean, do I know? Yes. I, I know how to drive a stick shift. I was mad. I was fuming. Pumped up. I was like, I think. Don't, what? I was going to say, I think you're ready to go. I'd like to hear I'm ready. I'd like to hear your five minutes on baby. <clears throat> I'm ready. I'm ready. Cody, shut your face. I'm going. I, I'm so ready. I got no notes, but Cody, here's what you need to know, okay? The second the movie started, I was like, oh, my gosh. That's when I texted you. I was like, I'm so mad at Cody for making my life actively worse in a very pointed and aggressive way by being like, never saying, Tyler, you need to watch Baby Driver. Never, never once. Never once was I point. I've been pointed at Harold and Maude, and I've been pointed at all these like like countless seventies and nineties rom coms. 
but never once Baby Driver. And I felt offended by that. The music was amazing, as it always Edgar Wright. That seems to be like, he seems like he's a man that just wants to make a two-hour-long music video. And you know what? Let him do it. All right, let him live his dream, Cody. Give him a billion dollars and say, make me a music video. All right. And you know what? It'll be worth every penny. You'll probably try to give him more money, and he'll be like, no, thank you, sir. No, thank you. You know, because he's a good man. Probably. I don't know. Maybe he diddles dolphin babies i don't know what he does in his spare time all right all i know is he made a fantastic film cody a film a theatrical experience cody i started to watch this movie it came up and it was like oh it's available for streaming i was like cool beep and then it was like this movie is rated tvma and i was like nope and i rented it i was like i'm not doing this there's no way i was like there's no way that's good then you in your in your sly way, texted me a link to the, to it, eBay, eBay, of a used steelbook. Cody, I'll have you know I, I went up to your thing. I ordered a brand new steelbook of this movie before the movie was a quarter of the way through. All right, it is on its way. I don't know when it's getting here, but it's shipping to my home currently. All right, it's flying through the sky to me so I will now it will now slip right on into with all the other steel books all right as you know that's the highest praise Cody highest praise all right I, wa- I was just so glad that my wife had the car and I didn't have to go anywhere after watching this movie because <laughs> like this is one of those movies you know when you get in the car and you're like all right it's go time and you drive like a maniac right it's like when you play GTA for like two hours and you get in and you hit the gas immediately and you're like, oh, no, I can't do that. <laughs> and then you wrap your car around a telephone pole. We've all been there, Cody. Anyway, like, it's just a sweet boy, all right? Kevin Spacey's in it, which I don't know. Is this before or after Kevin Spacey was problematic? Give me before or after. Cody, tell me. Don't tell me. Just before. Before, after, during. Ooh, that's rough. That's a rough... Because then it's him, it's with it's him with baby, and he's like, baby, <laughs> he calls him baby, and I'm like, I'm uncomfortable. I was uncomfortable most of the time with Kevin Spacey there, but he did a good job, you know? Kevin Spacey, you know, he's, you know, he's Kevin Spacey. You know what I'm saying? Cody, look at me. How would you feel if Kevin Spacey called you baby? Would you feel good about it? No. No, you wouldn't. That's right. But this one, I felt good about this, though, Cody, because it's a good movie. They're driving the music. He's got his crime nephew. He's like, take the nephew with you. The nephew's been there the whole time when they're casing the joint. All right? And the nephew, they get in the nephew. He's clocked all the cameras. He knows where everyone is. And he's like, here's what you do. Do all this stuff. And it's like, this nephew. Cody, I want a crime nephew. You stole my thing you stole fizzy lifting drinks you uh, you coward but you're right and i want a crime nephew all right i want a criminal mastermind nephew it's all anybody deserves in their life all right i feel like i've earned that cody look at me. i've earned that all right they're doing this whole i like the like the whole storyline where it's like he's there he's he's a good kid he's paid but he's like boosted cars and he stole basically the wrong guy's car and he's a guy who's like just lets him take it and then it's like, all right, now you owe me a ton. There's nothing in the trunk of that car, Cody. Let's be honest. There's nothing in that car. Kevin Spacey just manipulating sweet little old baby, all right? Baby, he's out here. He's making he's making little mixtapes of all the quotes that this guy's had of him. Every time he says he's fast or something, he's like, wiggle, wiggle, wow. You know, he's doing his little 
music things and i was just like oh he's a sweet boy he's got a little tape of his mom and he's doing all this he's so fast thing and he's like oh it's a he's so fast and then he's he's just like i like he's so sweet and then at the end when they're like oh they're doing his trial and it's just like all the times it like closed the loop you know it's like here's the loop of the story and it closed it where it's like oh yeah here's all the people who were like he's so good being like he's so good You know what I mean? Time I have to cut you off right there. You've had your time, okay? You've had your time. Now let me have my time. Okay. Here's the thing about Edgar Wright movies. I got in a fight, <laughs> an argument with my wife last night about this. She didn't like Scott Pilgrim. Scott Pilgrim's one of my like, top ten favorite movies of all time, right? This is what I realized about Edgar Wright. I've seen all his movies, okay? So I come from a I come from a place of knowledge and understanding. He doesn't make movies like, you know, back to back. You know, some directors have a movie like every year. And I feel like he's like every two or three years. He's a writer, director, and here's what he does better than anyone, I think. Everything is so detailed. And he pairs like really detailed scripts with being the director. And he's like, in addition to having really detailed like dialogue and stuff in the story. We're going to have really detailed images throughout the movie. Like, it's all, they're all going to tie into each other, you know? So, for example, the TV has um, Monsters, Inc. Says that line, like, you know, we're a team. Nothing's more important than our friendship, you know? So then he says that line to Kevin Spacey. And then at the end of the movie, Kevin Spacey, like, feeding me lines from Monsters, Inc. Like, it's one of Sam's favorites, you know, his nephew, the crime nephew. <clears throat> so I mean, you know, he's so smart about that stuff. Where he's like, "All right, I'm going to take this. I'm going to put it in here." We're going to have a quote about Dolly Parton. You know, talking about you need a little rain before you can see the rainbow. Then at the end of the movie, uh, there's a rainbow. When he right, so like, there's things like that where it's like, "Oh, this dude has thought he's had this idea since 1995. That's when he got the idea for the movie." Yeah, it blows your mind. Tyler's mind's blown. He's had this idea for the movie since 1995, and he got in advance to do the script in. 2007 so he's he's been working on this one for a minute um and then finally he was able to make the movie um and i think it just shows and it shows in all of them like shauna the dead is the same way where he's like no we're gonna do you know it's a movie we're gonna the moving pictures they're gonna be part of the story too and that's what i love about what he does and he has really fun dialogue but also he has really fun visual like gags and humor and like really cool images so in that way I think he's one of the best directors in the biz because he understands that so well. And that's what's so special. For a film boy like me, a, I'm a boy, right? I'm a boy who likes films. In other words, a film boy. And for a film boy, you love a writer-director. You know, someone who can write a good story and then bring it to fruition is the best. And that's why Edgar Wright is my boy. And Bailey was like, It was like, oh, I feel like he's like a really famous director, and in reality, I have just talked about him a lot, which is why, which is why she knows his name, you know, because he's not he's not Steven Spielberg, like you know, he hasn't made like movies that everyone has seen, but people who are in the know are all in on Edgar Wright. They love him. The indie film crew is all about him. Um, you know, there's just so many great moments in the movie. <laughs> Edgar Wright loves a good oneer. There's a 
probably the best one of any of his movies in this one. It's the intro, not the intro. It's after the heist. The next day, he's getting the coffee for their like post heist meeting, you know, and there it's the Harlem Shuffle, and he's singing, he's lip syncing to the words, and it's all going right. He slides. The song talks about doing a slide, right? He's trumpeting. There's a trumpet in the window, and he's playing the trumpet. You know, the trees they have the little the yeah yeah yeahs. Those are written on the trees as they go. You know, just like all these tiny little details where you're like, this is like the best two minutes you know, to like get to know a character ever. And it's just fun, you know, it's super fun. That's what I love about it. Our boy, Baby. Here's my favorite thing about Baby. He has so many sunglasses on his person at any given time. Makes me sad. John Bernthal <laughs> wax the sunglasses off his face. Or, you know, like he takes the sunglasses he's wearing or whatever. And then like you look back and he's got a different pair of sunglasses. You know, he just like doesn't even worry about it. He pulls out a pair of sunglasses from his bomber jacket, throws them on, wax them off. You know, like, he's got sunglasses for days. And that that's the kind of preparation, you know? That's a man that you want on your team. The guy who's like, you know what? Someone's going to take these sunglasses, but I have two more on my person, so it's not even a problem. <laughs> Fun fact, this is why, this is what I'm talking about with Edgar Wright being so detailed. He was like, well, yeah, he has all the iPods and the sunglasses because he stole cars. <laughs> so, so if you steal a lot of cars probably end up with a lot of iPods and sunglasses. So I'm like, oh, brilliant. Like, some, you know, those things aren't said in the script. When you think about it, you're like, this dude has thought of everything in this movie. Where he's like, no, this is, uh, this is how it goes. And uh, that's, that's, that's my guy right there. Cody, I'm going to have to cut you off. No, don't <laughs> even. Oh, no, you can't sneeze. You're cut off. Yeah, I did. That was probably one of my favorite scenes. You're right. Like I, I, I kind of forgot about it. <laughs> Takes his glasses, puts them on, and then I like how he just like turns. It's like one smooth motion where he like turns, sees he still sunglasses, just smacks them off his head, <laughs> and then like a second later, just oh, like whoop, another pair. <laughs> ah, so good. Um, just so many good bits. I love. Uh, what is it? They're talking about songs, right? And and I think. I think the love story with Lily James' character, Deborah, uh, is really sweet. And, you know, like, they both like music, and so they're talking about music, and she's like, there's only one song about Deborah, and it's not even about Deborah. That's a great song, by the way. Beck's Deborah, fantastic song. And, you know, it's not even about Deborah. It's about how this guy wants to get with Deborah and her sister, you know, like her sister Jenny, and then with Deborah too, you know, whatever. Um, and it's this thing, it's happened to everyone, you know, where he's like, yeah, you know the band Trex? <laughs> She's like, you mean T-Rex? Like, we've all done that, right? Everyone's oh, yeah. gone out there and they've said the wrong thing where you're like, well, I've never said it out loud, so when I said it out loud, it was wrong. You know, you're like an idiot. We've all been there. And you know what? Another perfect moment like that in another Edgar Wright movie, in Scott Pilgrim, the where uh, young Neil is singing along to the song and he absolutely sings the wrong word. <laughs> then he corrects himself. I just love, you can tell Edgar Wright's a music lover, you know? He's been there, and he puts in his movies. That's what I like. Yeah. I love the humor, but I think, too, like, I don't know. What I like about it is it's such a great blend of, like, music, heist slash action, and humor. And it's got, like, a, I think the movie actually has, like, really great tension because the whole thing is, like, Baby Driver, he's in 
um, Doc's pocket, right? So like he's kind of obligated to be his driver. So he's like, okay, I'm stuck in this world. I don't want to be in it, but I am. So he's just making the most of it. And when he wants to get out, it makes such a great tension because it's like, oh, he's done. He doesn't owe a debt anymore. Maybe he'll get get out. And instead, he just has to spend the whole movie like being around these criminals and like, oh, gosh, am I going to be able to get out? And it, it just built a great tension, I thought. So I love that balance, how he's able to mix together the humor, a great tension, and some really great stunts and driving and stuff. Yeah. I mean, is there more to say, Cody? I'm I had so much more to say. <laughs> <laughs> so much to say. <laughs> I I really part of my probably my favorite like dynamic honestly was um I can't remember his name. Was it uh John Ham's character and Baby? Buddy? Buddy. Buddy and Baby. Because mm-hmm. it seemed like um like you kind of felt like he's like oh I see he's like uh he's like sees himself in him like remembers because he references back to he's like I started out as a driver too and like mm-hmm. he's like they're bonding over their 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 song their lucky song mm-hmm. or whatever you know and he has the line after their first heist where he's like next time doc calls don't pick up you know like do me a favor next time doc calls don't pick up mm-hmm. and doc's like shut up buddy you know, like, don't listen to it, baby. Yeah. And uh, then you have, like, so it, it just seemed weird, like, how there are these, these uh, criminal people, but they, you got Buddy who is like, I like him. I see him, but I see, like, he's like, I don't want him to turn out like me. And then Doc, mm-hmm. that you, they like, it like, I like how, the, how often you were, it seemed unsure how Doc really felt about Baby. You know where he likes is like oh yeah one more job and then you're then we're square, you know, and you don't owe me anything anymore, and then he's like oh, right but that's oh sorry go ahead oh but they yo yeah like you I think like you were about to say then they see each other and he's like you know you can either be my driver or I can kill everybody you love and break your legs you know and like right well I love that the interaction when he's like when he is all paid up because they're at the right they're at the car and he's like. What is he? Or maybe it's right before he's like, "Hey, one more job and and we're done." And Doc's like, "No, one more job and we're straight." <laughs> you know, like, you know, like Doc never gave him that permission. He's like, "No, like, yeah, you're paid up. Doesn't mean we're done." You know, like, yeah. of course not. So, but you're right. Like, I love the baby's like, "No, I'm, I'm out." And Doc's like, you know, he's like, "No, I'm gonna call you again." You know, like, we're not done. You're my lucky charm. But yeah, I really enjoyed. I mean, it's, so yeah, you you talked about the James Spader. Not James, Kevin Spacey thing. Um, I think literally it was like Baby Driver came out, and then like two or three weeks later, James Spader, gosh, Kevin Spacey, sorry. Kevin Spacey went under fire for all like the crappy stuff he's done. Um, so it was such a bummer because like I was like, Baby Driver is so good. And like I, I, I just want a bigger audience for Edgar Wright because he's so good. Um, so it's just a bummer that it's like, you know, it's and it's not fair that like, okay, yeah, Kevin Spacey's an a-hole. That doesn't mean we should dismiss like everyone else who did such a great job in this movie, you know? Because I, I think all the actors did great uh, in their own right, you know. So it just stinks. Was like oh, Kevin Spacey out here ruining it, ruining it for everyone else, you know? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> as I was just looking, here's up, my that 
Baby Driver was the last, like, so he had his last few episodes of House of Cards that they'd already done. But mm-hmm. Baby Driver's like the last big budget movie that he's been in. Yeah, because later that year he was he had already shot for um, all the money in the world, and that's the one they replaced him. So they reshot all his scenes with Christopher Plummer, and since then I don't think he's he's done anything. Um, but yeah. that was the same that was the same Oscar year as this movie because this movie was nominated for sound and editing. Um, I have a question for you because here's here's my biggest gripe with the movie. No, no gripe. Great movie, obviously. Now here's my thing. Some of the dialogue isn't as crisp as that. for a movie with amazing sound, like sound effects and sound editing and mixing and all that stuff, and the way it times with the music and all that. I wish the dialogue was a little crisper, a little cleaner. Hmm. Ansel Igor is kind of a mumbler. And so, like, the dialogue is written so beautifully, but then there are times where it's just like, I feel like we're not picking up as much audio as I want, and the lines aren't popping the way I want. So here's my question to you. This is Edgar Edgar Wright's first American movie, right? So his other movies take place in the UK or Canada. Do you think the dialogue would pop better if it was British? So imagine this movie takes place in London. Same deal, you know but everyone's speaking in a British accent. I don't think so. Cause I think everyone else, I think the only issue I was like, I was about to be like, you're crazy. I don't know what you're talking about. But then you brought up the, yeah, the, the only problem I ever had with some of it was being like, wait, what did he say to see? So like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, like, what? <laughs> Wait, yeah. I know what you just delivered was gold, but what did you say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, but all the other people, I felt like all the other lines and everything were fine. Um, the only other character I had trouble understanding was the butcher, but I was just like, "What? Mm. Do you have an accent? Do you not have an accent? Are you speaking yeah. English or are you speaking another language?" At this, it, like uh-huh. that guy flowed so. so much between accent not accent and then yeah not speaking clearly enough to be sure that he's not there that he is or isn't speaking english so that i'm like i don't uh-huh. know what you're saying right now well you brought up the butcher um i would say that i think this i think like the sing songiness of the dialogue would have popped a little better if it was like a uk thing but that's just my opinion so something to think about if you know his work like um fred Wright. I just yeah I'm just thinking about like he's done three movies with Nick Frost and um, Sean. Gosh, what's his name? Not Sean. The guy from Shaun of the Dead. What's his name? It's fine. I don't know. He's done three movies with those guys, and they have such a good like chemistry and delivering his lines. But just some something to think about. You brought up the butcher. So this movie has a bunch of musician cameos. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's Paul Williams from whatever. I forget. He's in a very famous band. It's a Genesis. Probably. Um, and he's also in like, uh, what are the, Smokey and the Bandit. He's in those movies and he's a very well-known singer. He's done stuff with Daft Punk. He's, I think he's from Genesis, I believe. So very well-known guy. <clears throat> Great singing voice. Very interesting singing voice. He's in it. Plays the Butcher. Also, the intro song, the Bell Bottoms, the lead vocalist and guitarist for that track is John Spencer, and he's the jail guard, jail guard that delivers him a letter in the prison. Finally, this is my favorite one. 
Um, Doc, when they're in that fancy Italian restaurant, he is talking with Killer Mike from Run the Jewels and one of the members of Outcast. So those are the people he's talking to at the restaurant, and they I think they each have a track in this movie. So they got a lot of musicians to cameo in the movie, which is super fun. Yeah. And yeah, so a few cool cameos in there. So what you're saying is, Cody, you think Simon Pegg should have played Baby. He's too old is the problem. But if this movie was made in 2007... Oh, let me stop you right there. No, right. Simon Pegg could never have played that role. There is no <laughs> way. Simon Pegg... I love Simon Pegg. He's very great. But yeah, absolutely not. There's no way. So here's the thing. Here's the thing I've never seen. So I've seen all of Edgar Wright's movies. I have not seen Spaced, which is his TV show with Simon Pegg and it's supposed to be excellent. Um, so that is a commitment I will make to watch Spaced. It's supposed to be very good. Hmm. Um, <laughs> soundtrack is great. I think more movies should have gunshots in time with the music. It always is so great. They, they, okay, so they do it in trailers all the time and then they are cowards when it comes time to the movie. Mm-hmm. What's the deal with well, that? that's... That's because, here's why. I'll tell you why. No one's as bold as Edgar Wright, first off. Second, they never know what track they're going to use. When you write the screenplay, it's like, oh, uh, we'll use something like this for that scene. And then it's whatever's cheap or affordable, whatever they can get, excuse me, permission to use, right? Edgar Wright, on the other hand, is like, all right, I'm going to compile a playlist for this movie and every scene I have in mind what I'm going to do and I'm going to know ahead of time what I can actually get approved to use and we're going to... So he, from start to finish, he knows what track he's going to use. Yeah. For example, I have the soundtrack to two of his movies because they're so good. Last Night in Soho, amazing soundtrack. Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, amazing soundtrack. This one's a great one, obviously. <clears throat> but he has a note in his Last Night in Soho thing where it's like, yeah, no, I had like, I had like um, something ridiculous. It was like 1,400 songs where I was like, yeah, this is going to be the music for the movie. And then he like slowly whittled it down to like 300 songs, 200 songs. And then he ended up with like, okay, these are like the 20 tracks we're using. But so he's always got that in mind. And this movie too, it uses so many like snippets of songs. The soundtrack's huge. It's like 40, it's like 30 or 40 songs. It's a ton. Cause there's a lot where it's like, yeah, no, she's in 20 seconds of this, 30 seconds of this here. <clears throat> but yeah, when he filmed this, he said it was like, you know, it's like doing a music video. Cause it's like, all right, we got to time everything just right. This is the song we're using. So this is, this is how it's going. That's why he's able to do it, and it is just delightful. And no movie is so fun as to do it. You know what I'm saying? Here's the thing. That's what he's got going for him. Here's the thing, Cody. I I understand something now. It has it popped into my head, and and it has. It's like the the fog has lifted, the clouds have parted, and I now understand the universe. I've reached Nirvana. All right. Okay. I. I understand why the Aladdin movie was the way it was now. Mm, Here's why. why. The Disney execs who had seen who have seen the success how like what? Guy Ritchie. Not Guy Ritchie. Will Smith. The, the guy that we're talking Edgar Wright. Edgar took, Wright. <laughs> took uh Guardians of the Galaxy as like, hey, <clears throat> we'll give you literally this D tier superhero team. Nobody cares about it. Literally nobody except for like three fans know who they are. 
good luck, nerd. And then it's like, oh, guess what? This is your most successful, like, individual franchise of all of them. Like, this -hmm. could be its own thing. It doesn't even need to be tied into the Avengers because it's its own very successful thing. Right? Yeah. And they're like, all right, nailed it. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to get ourselves another director that can do music stuff. All right, direct the movie. And then here, stop being a movie director. Direct a... (laughs) direct a music video and then start directing the movie again instead of doing what edgar wright does where he's like i'm gonna treat the entire thing like a music video like mm-hmm. thing and i'm like so now i'm just like i just want someone to tell guy Ritchie to do that <laughs> because yeah. it's like we've seen it doesn't work when you stop <laughs> when you're like all right this is where the movie ends and the disney sing-along like uh, mm-hmm. music video starts and then three minutes later all right movie's back on well it's funny you mentioned that because edgar wright was the <clears throat> excuse me original director for ant-man yeah and so when you think about that you're like oh that makes so much sense but like the tone of ant-man and like the lip syncs they do and like the humor in ant-man it's all there um he just left partway through because they disagree it's such just a bummer where you're like you think this guy who's made like has a great cult following has made really great movies and, you know, Disney's like, right? They did it for James Gunn. Like he said, it worked out so well for Guardians. Yeah. And then you try to do it for Ant-Man, but for every reason there was that, yeah, you know, sense. that distance where it's like, okay, didn't didn't pan out. But yeah, which, yeah Edgar Wright's that guy. Sorry, that's why, because yeah, I was like, so James Gunn, I know they've gone back and forth with him over being the, like not giving. Guardians director. So he left because he's like, I'm not, I don't want to do what you guys want me to do. I'll do what I want to do. And then you tie it in a little bit, but like he does, like that's something that people praise the Disney, especially Marvel people for. Is like, mm-hmm. who is it? Kevin Feige, basically like, is the co-director of every movie, kind of where he, and some directors are fine with that, and some hate it. Yeah, Edgar Wright hated it, James Gunn hated it, and James Gunn actually like, everybody was so pissed they left that they were like, all right, fine, you can do your own thing. Which kind of makes you think, like, I think Ant-Man would be on the level of people liking it and would have, like, a bunch of movies like Guardians. I guess mm-hmm. they have the same number of movies, but they're, I don't think there's any more planned Ant-Man movies, are there? No, no there is, because oh, Quantum. Okay. I think the next is going to be Quantumania. Oh, yeah. Anyway, I, I would have liked it better if they had yeah. been similar. You know, like, you'd have Edgar Wright and James Gunn doing those as their own little wacky things, and then you'd have Taika Waititi yeah. doing and, the... Like, no or, shade to Ant-Man 1 and 2. Like, the director took it over, oh, did a good the, job. The, I'll, I'll I just think shade. Edgar Wright would have done a slightly better job oh. if he was able to do it. I'll call him out right now. Let's see, Ant-Man. Oh, here we go. Ant-Man. Cody, get ready. I'm about to throw shade, all right? Why hold, hold. Oh, gosh, it's, it's hard. It's hard to find the thing. You know when you type in a thing, and then you're like, where's the thing? And find it. Peyton Reed? No one even knows who that is. Yeah. It's a guy. That's even worse. Right? Did you think that was a girl when I said Peyton Reed? Um let's say yes. You know, the director of Bring It On and Yes Man. Hey. Yes Man's fun. Two episodes of The Mandalorian. And yeah, it is a collaboration. It's such a bummer, right? Yeah, I don't know. It's it's just weird because you look at that, 
the issues they have with directors where it's like, oh, they're not going to do their own thing. Like, you just think they would clear it. Like, I just wish they would say, hey, these are the beats you have to hit. Everything else is whatever you want to do, you know? Because that's, that's how you, that's the point of a director, you know, is well, their vision. So it's just a bummer. But then you look at, like, the Russo brothers, and it's worked out beautifully. Where every Russo brother Marvel movie is, like, the best one. Yeah. You know, it's like they did Winter Soldier and Civil War and Avengers Endgame. You know, we're just like, oh, they're great at it. But just a bummer that like, and they're writer directors too. So it's like, then why didn't it work for Edgar Wright? Like, why didn't, you know, you get, especially it's Ant-Man. Then the joke about Ant-Man is no one knows who he is anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so why can't he be his own thing? You know, like when he shows up in Civil War, they're like, he's like, hi, I'm Scott. You're, they're like, okay. <laughs> so... <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. i mean edgar wright plus paul rudd that sounds like a match made in heaven you know on paper you're like yeah no this is gonna be the funniest movie ever written and it's gonna be super you know whatever yeah. it's fine but you know what i'm over yeah, it whatever i'm not over it i know you'll never let's be talk over let's it. let's praise baby driver more though okay here's one thing i loved about it i loved it it's for it being like a heisty action movie with a lot of like all right, we'll do a shootout now. We'll do a chase. There's a high body count. There's like a really sweet underlying story of like this sweet boy and he's trying to, you know, have love in his life. And so I love that like as much as it's about like the car chases and everything, it's about him getting away. And I love the non-traditional ending that, you know, he gets caught, like obviously. Yeah. There's the beat where like he passes out and then she's driving the car and they're listening to the mom's tape and, it's like, oh, this is this would be such a nice ending. Like, but it doesn't make sense, right? Yeah. And so then it's like, oh no, they get caught. And Baby's like, no, we're done. You know, he throws the keys away, goes to jail. We see the whole trial. We see him try to be a good person, then he gets out at the end, you know? So I, I just love that like very non-traditional ending, right? It's an action movie. How many action movies end on a beat like that? You know, you're like, okay, we're done with the adrenaline. Now let's take a step and let's, you know, let's finish the story out. So I, I love that. Yeah. And they bring back that like dreamy keeps having where it's like her all black and white with the doors opening mm-hmm. and it's like oh no this is real that it's real because it's all colored you know and it'd be, the color seeps okay in. so let me ask you that question because it's open-ended right yeah. there's it's sort of an open-ended feel do you think it was real did he actually get parole don't and get to leave to me. or was it a fantasy don't do this to me cody i'm, ask, I'm just would, asking the question i was like he's a Dirtbag. Of course, he's gonna do this to me. He's gonna be like, "But did he really get out, or did he get killed in prison?" And these are his last moments, and he's envisioning, "What if I got out?" As the blood pours out of him, being shanked for the eighty seventh time. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. he got out. I think so too. For the point you brought up, right? It goes from black and white to color, um, and also like you talk about the dream sequence, and in the when it's like first a fantasy, it's like, well, you know, he's wearing like 1950s clothes and so, so is she. Yeah. Whereas in the final, it's like, no, like there were, those are clothes they would wear. And yeah, yeah, and it goes to color. So I would say yes. And also, I'm just that type of person. But I read in the trivia that Ansel Igor and Lily James, who play the two leads, are split where Lily James thinks it's real and Ansel Igor thinks it isn't. Mm. So goes to show you but is that really what he thought or did he just mumble what he thought and they thought they're like all right he probably thought <laughs> probably they were like oh, also what do you think do you think that he got out well, hang on. 
<laughs> All right, print it. Hans yeah, Leor yeah. thinks that he died in prison. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, I think, so I was very upset when this movie didn't win the Oscar for sound because, like, you, you know, it's doing something no one else is doing. Like, no one else is timing out an action movie to music cues, you know, and doing it so it's such a fun movie. But it's, there's still tension movie. There's still a nice background story. You know, it, it's a very hard thing to balance and pull off. And this director pulled it off, and I thought it really should have won sound. Yeah. But it didn't. And I'm trying to look up. I, it probably lost, like, Dunkirk or some movie like that. Some war movie. But I was very upset when it happened. How did you feel about it? Um, I mean, I didn't watch it at the time. But now, yeah. But whoever won sound editing also won sound mixing, and it was definitely a, a war movie of some kind, because it always is. Yeah. So it's just the yeah that that's my thing about the sound is it always like oh that war movie's pretty I'm like I get it. It's the same thing with the costume thing. It's like okay, you made a period piece movie, and they had good costumes. I get it. But can we ever give it to anyone who is you know? It's like you're automatically gonna win if you're a period piece for costume, and you're automatically gonna win if you're a war movie for sound. Yeah, we're never gonna have any sort of like if I was tasked, any variation on that. If I was tasked to make a a uh, an Oscar bait movie, right? Like honestly, I would go with I want to make I would make a like a movie about the what's it the the Hundred Years War. Right, because mm. it's like you got mm-hmm. cannons, so you can have explosions. But everything's in the that period, you know, like that Napoleonic period. So you have like all those costumes. So it's easy. You just go down to the costume shop. You know, you got to invest a lot of money. Everybody knows how to make these. Any, you know, you have to put a lot of time, effort, nothing into it. You get random people from the Renaissance Festival to make you all your costumes. All right. And then he oh, just yeah. blows some stuff up, and it's like, here's seven Oscars. Because you got the sound mixing, the sound editing, the sound feel, the sound taste, the sound look. You got the costumes, the costume design, the set. You just go film in a muddy field, and they're like, the set design was outrageous. And then they got it. Meanwhile, Dune 7 is like, we literally went to another planet to film, you know? What do we have mm-hmm. to do to appease you? <laughs> yeah. And you know yeah. some like I... story about how a dog ate a sausage is going to win the best picture, so I wouldn't even shoot for that. Yeah, you can't. You you just can't. I'm trying to find the year Oscar this is from, and it's it's going really bad for me, uh, just in case you were wondering. So Shh, let Daddy help. I All can't right. do it. I can't find it. Daddy's coming. I really thought I checked every year that around when this movie came out, and I guess I just, I must have did it wrong. I must have done did bad job, and it makes me feel bad. It's 2018. About myself. Shape of Water won 2018 best Oscars? picture. Yeah. Which one did? Shape of Water. Lol. Remember that? I do remember, remember the fish. I remember the fish, fish sex movie. course. No, let's don't don't say intercourse. Call it what it is. It's fish okay. sex. All right. I found the year. It lost editing to Dunkirk. It did lose Dunkirk. You're right. You nailed it. And uh, which I already pulled up the year Dunkirk was in the Oscars. I thought, but I guess I'm wrong. So here's my thing. It lost sound editing to Dunkirk and sound mixing to Dunkirk. 
And it's just crazy. And he, so here's the sound awards. Dunkirk, Baby Driver, Blade Runner, Shape of Water, Last Jedi. Shape of Water, get that out of here. No one cares. Last Jedi had really good sound. Blade Runner had amazing sound. It's such also, a rough obviously. year for it to have come out. Right. Well, you're like, here's two amazing sci-fi movies. Here's a really... My thing about that is all those movies are good movies, but like Can... Baby Driver's the most innovative. It also... Dunkirk, war movies are done all the time. Sci-fi movies are done, you know... Sci-fi movies always have good sound. Baby Driver is the first one you're like, there's no movie like this. Like, I can't think of another action movie that is also a music video movie that also is has, like, thriller elements and also has, like, romance. You know, like, it's just not a kind of movie that exists. And so I feel like in that way, it should it should get the sound award over Dunkirk, you know? And it, it was a bummer, too, because I think that Dunkirk team does all of those movies. You know, so it's yeah. like, this team has won before. Here's the other thing. I Cody. think once you get an Oscar, you shouldn't get any more. Can I? I think if you're an Oscar winner, you're done. Yeah. It's like, hey, you've won your Oscar. Good job. Yeah. That's it. I think it should be the same for like MVPs in sports and stuff. Mm-hmm. I think it should be the same. It's like, hey, you won the MVP. Great job. Now let's see who else. Because there's so many like deserving people that are like, oh, yeah, you got nominated five times for MVP, but sorry, it was the same era as LeBron James and Michael Jordan, so you're never going to win it. Like, yeah. Right, but I'm good too, you know? Cody, I got, That's I got how I feel for you. I got, I got some, I got some more uh, fuel to throw on the fire, right? Yeah. So it also, these weren't included in them, but they're two movies that are like show up on lists for. Oh, I want to show off my sound or my fancy screen or something. Yeah. Kong Skull Island and Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two also came out that year. So, it does seem like. Honestly, even being one of the nominees might be a big achievement that year. Why is yeah. Shape of Water sound mixing? That's why I want to know. Because they're water. They need to do underwater stuff. They need to do underwater fish sex. And, Once, you know, at the no one else end. is out here mixing that sound together. All right. Here's where we get. Okay. Let me, stop, let me stop you right there, Cody. All the people out here, I'm going to spoil Shape of Water. That picture, that's the end of the movie. That picture is the end of the movie. All right. Up until then, it's a lot of nothing. It's a lot of absolutely nothing. And a lot of I am looking at Abraham Sapien and Guillermo del Toro being like, what? That's what it is. That's the entire movie. It's you being like, that's the guy from Hellboy. And Guillermo del Toro being like, no, this is a sexy fish monster. And you say, yes, the guy from Hellboy. All right. Yeah. It's the same actor in the same costume. Here's the other thing I'll throw at you. Um, would you not argue that in terms of directing, Baby Driver is a much more impressive achievement than the average film? Absolutely. Um, so here's the nominees for directing that year. Guillermo del Toro for Shape of Water, he won. Okay. Chris Nolan for Dunkirk. Jordan Peele for Get Out. Greta Gerwig for Lady Bird. Paul Thomas Anderson for Phantom Thread. I'm not mad about any of those. Nom- Shape of Water's okay. I-, I guess I'm just mad Shape of Water won. Like, I feel like you could have put Edgar Wright. Like, in terms of directing, you're like, this guy took a very interesting concept and brought it, brought that vision to film, to fruition like very well, to a much harder degree than Phantom Thread was. Or Shape of... Well, maybe not. Shape of Water was like a crazy movie too, but I just feel like... I'm not mad about Greta Gerwig or Paul Thomas Anderson, but I would swap either of those for Baby Driver any day. I think get out. I don't know why people got so amazing and all up in 
up in their giblets about Shape of Water. I stand by the fact that it's not a very good movie. I don't know. I don't know. I have so much more to say. This is going to be a long one, and I'm very sorry. Here's the other thing. My thing about the sound thing is, you're right, they incorporate the tinnitus into the sound of the movie. So when he's listening to, you know, when there's scenes that feature music, there's like a tinnitus buzz in the background. Like, they, they went to that level of detail. There are scenes where you're popping earbuds in and out, and the audio is changing as a result, you yeah. know? Where it's like, hey, your earbuds are in, it's all music. You take your earbuds out, there's like the faint tinge of music. Also, and there's even like, there's a scene where, so at the end when Buddy is in the cop car and he's playing Brighton Rock on an iPod, and you'll know this if you were an iPod guy ever. I was, because I'm a filthy millennial. But when the car crashes and turns off, when he turns the car back on, the song has moved forward about five seconds because the iPod keeps playing because you never unplugged the iPod. You know, like, there's yeah. so many small details like that. You're like, this is amazing directing. This is amazing use of sound. Like, the sound all makes so much sense, even in, like, the finest little details. That's why I think it should have had the sound award. Oh, yeah. They didn't use... They used little to no CGI for all the driving stunts. It's crazy. You think about Edgar, Wright, Edgar Wright's movies and, like, Last Night in Soho, tons of visual effects because there's so many mirror shots and things. And, like, there's ghosts and things in the movie. And um, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World is, like, all effects. There's all these really interesting visual effects that make it look like a, you're watching a comic book happen. Then this movie, there's, like, yeah, no, there's just, like, no CG in it. And we just did it all practical. And it looks great. It looks seamless. Yeah. I would say this is my favorite heist movie. And it's not even a pure heist movie, right? Like, right, because there's, like, three or four mini heists that aren't even really the focus because it's just that you're just focused on the driver yeah but you do get to see the run through of like hey here's the plan for the heist and okay you see it happening but uh, okay it's you're a very gonna... interesting take on a heist movie let me take it back <coughs> it it's i'll t i'll tie it up i think one of my favorite heist movies is actually the with the guy richie king arthur one that everybody uh -huh. hates so good <laughs> so good so this is tied with a trashy Guy Ritchie movie. How does that make you feel? Uh, you know, Guy Ritchie, he's pretty good at the heist movies. So, so good at the you know, I won't movies. be mad. Love a good heist movie. So, so I have a ton of fun facts. Here's the next one. Give me the fun fact. They could not get legal clearance to use the Michael Myers Halloween mask. Cue in. It's in the script that they use Halloween, the Michael Myers. And so they had the idea. So Edgar Wright was like, all right, how about this? We'll do Austin Powers, who's played by Mike Myers, you know? Yeah. So, like, that's where that bit came from. So, we phoned up Michael Myers, Mike Myers, and was like, hey, hoping I could get clearance to use Austin Power Mask for this bit. And he's like, that's hilarious. Do it. <laughs> so, he wasn't able to get permission to use the Halloween mask from the movie Halloween, but he did get an Austin Powers Mike Myers Halloween mask for it. So, I love that that's where the bit came from. It made okay. me really happy. Can I pile on your fun fact a little bit there? Just Yeah. Please do. But it's not really any more fun fact, but it's something that I've learned recent, not well, not super recently, but in the like, recent years of, uh, do you remember the, the like Friday the 13th um, game that came out recently a couple years ago? It wasn't super popular, so I wouldn't be surprised if you didn't play it or anything. But like okay. that kicked off a discussion in a lot of like podcasts and stuff that I've listened to people who are fans of uh that where someone i think pointed out for like friday the 13th and like halloween and a lot of those big horror movie franchises mm 
mm-hmm. are just a nightmare of licensing because mm-hmm. they're horror movies. So like when they were first made, it was very much like, I don't know, Terry, you can have the rights, but also like the studio <laughs> at the same time signed a same, the same exact contract saying they owned the rights or something, you know? So oh, it's like no. six different people own the rights to everything and they all have to agree, but they all say the other people have no rights. So they'll all agree to stuff wow. by themselves. And it's like, so like anytime you see a movie or a, like anything with one of those like Friday the 13th or Halloween get actually made, someone has jumped through hoops for years to get that made. Wow. And it's like, oh well, my gosh. I'll tack on one final fun fact. Film buffs may know this one, but the Mike Michael Myers Halloween mask is actually just a William Shatner Star Trek mask that they took a heat gun to and they wear it out and stretch it out. And that's how you, so next time you see a Halloween movie, look at him and be like, that's just William Shatner's face stretched out. <laughs> so it's kind of funny. They couldn't get permission to that mask. You're like, that's not even a real. Originally, it was just another mask that they just stretched and wore out to look different. And that's where they got the mask for a serial killer in a horror movie. So oh, yeah. fun, fun, fun fact for you. It's fun. Some more fun facts. The scene at the the track, the oneer at the beginning of the movie where he gets the coffee, and he, you know, because that's all one shot. Pans out of the building, he crosses the street, crosses the street, does all the dancing, gets the coffee, comes all the way back. Took him 28 takes <laughs> to get all that. Because you know, the blocking was so specific, and you have to get everything just right. So that's fun. It is fun. Uh, someone made some merch for the movie where it's a baby, baby on board. You know those stickers for cars? Yeah. It's like, hey, there's a baby on board. So they did that, but then they put Ansel Egort's face in with the, with the earbuds. and the. So it says baby on board, but it's baby driver. <gasps> So Edgar Wright stumbled on that one day. So he signed an autograph and left it for the driver. Nice. Because he's like, that is the coolest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> so he's like, I approve. Signed Edgar Wright. <clears throat> uh, at the beginning of the movie, they do all the TV lines, which is kind of a staple of Edgar Wright movies. He does it in a few different ones. So different lines going on. And it always ties in with the plot somehow. So it's really great. I love it. It's a good bit. But when they watch TV and he's slipping through the channels at the beginning of the movie, all those lines appear in the movie later. So we already talked about the Monsters, Inc. one, but there's the Little Rascals one where it says, you are so beautiful to me. You know that one? Mm-hmm. He says that line to Debbie in the diner. He says, you are so beautiful. And then uh, they grew up so freaking fast. That was one of the lines, and he says that when he has the crime nephew and oh, you know, all that. So it's just kind of funny. that there's, it, it, it would, You know, you would think that's just a throwaway thing, right? It's like, oh, it's kind of funny, right? They kind of line up with what's going on, but then they reuse all those lines throughout the movie. Originally, Emma Stone was going to play Deborah. Mm. <clears throat> she dropped out to do La La Land, mm. which most people would argue is smart because she, I believe she won an Oscar for that performance, but I think she would have done just as well. But I thought Lily James was really great in it. And, you know, she's British, so anytime you get a British person to do a Southern accent, it works out. That's just the rule. It's the only accent they can do. Yeah. They do it, you know? They really um, go for it. There's some lines about Jamie Foxx being like, what would I know about Barbara Streisand? You know, do I look like I know anything about Barbara Streisand? They are real-life friends, and they have done a song. Together. I was going to say, I thought that when <laughs> yeah. he said it. I was like, aren't you actually friends with her? Like, yeah. Real-life friends, they've collaborated on music together because Jamie Foxx is also a singer. I don't know how anyone knows this, but according to the trivia, this is the first R-rated film to show Disney footage. So they got clearance to... <laughs> Use the Monsters Inc. clip, and they thank director Pete Docter in the credits for it. But nice. I don't know. I'm sure there has to be something somewhere, but they say it's the first one. 
You say it. So yeah. Edgar Wright, this goes back to Edgar Wright being a great director, but when he gave out scripts, he gave everyone an iPod with the script that said, hey, for this scene, this is the song we're using. So you would play that song when you read that scene on your script. So everyone get got an iPod with their script to understand the music that was going on. Brilliant. Brilliant directing. When they were directing and he needed like more stern, serious looks from Ansel Egort, the catchphrase Edgar Wright would use is man driver. So instead of baby driver, he's like man driver for this scene. And then they'd go. Man driver. Um, this is another like detail. Yeah. Part of the reason baby driver uses iPods is to stay off the grid. So he wouldn't use Spotify because easily trackable. So that's why he's got like all this retro like gear and like an old TV and all these iPods. So mm. pretty smart. Yeah. So they did interviews with different people um, to like learn about heists and stuff. One of the ex-cons was like, oh yeah, no, I, I brought a nephew to Case of Bank once. So he's like, well, that's going in the script. That is the origin of the crime nephew. <laughs> he's like, oh, a real criminal brought a nephew into a bank when they were getting ready for a robbery. So yeah, I mean, uh, it makes you look less suspicious. <laughs> I saw one source that said Ansel Egort was gifted the Subaru WRX as a birthday present after the film wrapped. So that's fun. That would be fun. Edgar Wright is in this movie. <gasps> His finger is the one that rings the doorbell when they deliver the pizza. So the close-up shot of the doorbell ringing, that's Edgar Wright's finger. Yeah. Fun fact. He's also in a, in a reflection of one of the store windows in one of the tracking shots. That's fun. Uh, Brighton Rock, classic deep cut queen track. That's the one they play at the end of the movie. Um, it is actually the same story as the movie. It's about like an outlaw falls in love with the waitress. So that's fun. Fun little detail. And uh, those are my fun facts. Cody, I'd say those are pretty fun. Not the most fun facts, I, but they're pretty fun. Yeah. I guess my favorite thing about the movie is like, I feel like when there's an action scene, I'm like all in. I'm like, this is great. I'm yeah. all about this. Um, but then when there's like a little romance scene with like Baby and Deborah, I'm like, this is delightful. You know, I'm all in on this too. And then when there's like a very suspenseful scene where it's like, oh gosh, he's driving around criminals and they're going to get him in trouble and they just shot all these people. Like I'm all absorbed into that too. So that's what I really like about the movie. I feel like I'm all in. And it's it's kind of a fantasy, right? Like, I don't think all the details are always right. Maybe part of it is because this is a UK director doing an American movie. But for example, like there's the scene where Buddy is at the restaurant. He has a gun hidden in a newspaper. And so he's like, you know, holding them hostage essentially and trying to get his revenge. And a police car pulls up with lights flashing. You're like, well, a police car wouldn't have lights flashing to go use the bathroom. But it was such a good mood for the scene to have, like, police lights flashing and so good for the tension. They're like, I don't mind it at all. You know, I don't mind, like, the fantasy and escapism of the movie because I thought it just worked so well to tell a great story. Yeah. But also, are you trying to tell me you've never met, you've never known, like, a cop or something that you ask him, if you really had to go to the bathroom, would you turn your lights and siren on? And they wouldn't be like, absolutely yes. (laughs) I I, I hear what you're saying. Just, like... Their car's parked. <laughs> They're parked at a diner that's basically empty. So why are their lights flashing? Uh, I don't know. Just yeah, leaving like them that. on, that's a whole separate thing. I did um, 
So originally the movie was supposed to take take place in LA. And then just because of tax breaks and everything, it just worked out better to do it in Atlanta. But Eddie Wright was like, hey, I'm going to get some like local Atlanta writers together. And so we'll we'll spruce up the script and make it very specific to Atlanta. So I, I really like that because, you know, the cop cars say Atlanta PD and there's all those details. You know, they talk about the spaghetti circle and the specific highways that they use. And so I really liked that they did that and made it feel like very authentic. We're like, oh, no, this is this is uh, specific to this town. And they did they actually did their research, you know, which I really liked. Yeah, because I felt like a lot of, you know, it does seem like a lot of places they'll film in Georgia because of the tax breaks. It'll be like, Mm -hmm. here we are in Los Angeles. And then it's like, nope, that's not Los Angeles. Or you're right. It's Mm -hmm. New York. Nope. That is not New York. Yeah, when I first watched it, I was trying to figure out, I was like, why does this take place? Why do they have Southern accents? I assumed it was like Chicago or LA or something, you know, so I was confused. When you look at the details, you're like, oh, it says Atlanta all over the place. Like, yeah. you know, they don't like highlight it everywhere. But you're like, when he's going through the mall, he has like an Atlanta, you know, one of the like the hoodie he grabs is like an Atlanta, welcome to Atlanta or whatever. <clears throat> they talk about like the peach, whatever it is, the peach something, whatever the name of their shopping center is. You know, so so there's yeah. all those details like, no, this is definitely in Atlanta. And the nice thing about setting it in Atlanta and shooting it in Atlanta is you don't have to worry about, <laughs> about those details, you know. You're not saying it's in LA and you're like, oh crap, all these license plates say Atlanta. We never, we didn't change that they were Georgia plates or whatever. Yeah. So just, I, I liked it. It was a nice touch. Yeah. It is, yeah, it is nice because, you know, like I said, there's just so, it feels like there's so many times where they're filming somewhere and they're like, here we are in the desert and it's like in the middle of like, they're obviously in British Columbia and it's like, Mm-hmm. Why? Why would you even yep. say that you're? Why would you write a thing that says you're in the desert and then film it in a rainforest? Right. Yeah. But uh, yeah. I the attention to detail in the movie is just ridiculous. I liked how like everything, yeah. like you said, it and it comes from him writing and directing it, where it's like everything mm-hmm. feeds into like nothing's just random, randomly there. Mm-hmm. And like the yeah. end is it? Oh, what? Oh, no. Go ahead. No, 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 no. I was just going to say, he writes all those details, and uh, uh, he doesn't do a lot of improv on set. He normally doesn't allow it. He only, so it's very rare that he does, and he made an exception for Jamie Foxx. And so, like, the Oscars line, uh, that was improvised. But generally, because it's so well-written, he's like, no, this is what we're doing. Like, And because all the visuals tie into it, you can't improvise, because, like, no, everything you say, we have visual cues around you that all, you know, it all ties into each other. So, yeah. I at the end where it all starts to like kick off, right? You know, mm-hmm. and he he kills bats, mm-hmm. which I was like, oh, he's gonna, oh, 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 he's gonna do it, and they did it, and I was like, oh. I felt like a winner personally. I felt like a winner <laughs> when he did that, and then just yeah. everything falling apart, and him, him and the the criminals running, you know, and then him calling Doc for help, and like. It was just all like the fact that at the very end of it, Buddy was like the villain and Doc is the one trying to help him. And I was like, oh my gosh, mm. like, this is all yeah. backwards of where I thought this was going to end up and all that. Like, like I expected it to be Doc trying to keep him there and Buddy helping him out. Yeah. And it's all turned on its head, Cody. They Here's what they did. They took my expectations right here. They're right here, mm. and they subverted them, Cody. They, oh, my mm, goodness. Got right up under Not me. unlike how Baby Driver jumped over the car. You don't like I that? I love that. Oh, you do like I that. I love that okay. shot. Yeah. No, that was a great shot. It was very cool. 
It's all practical too, probably. Right. Yeah. Got to, you know. Ran and jumped over a uh, speeding car, you know. I've yeah, seen people easy. do it. <clears throat> mhm. What else is there to say about this one? Are you ready to give it a grade? Um. Mentally or spiritually, you know what I mean. Physically, yes. Mentally, maybe. Spiritually, I don't know. Oh, you know. Do you want me to tell you my grade? You tell me your grade. I would give this one an A. <gasps> Only for mm-hmm. the gripe I have, where just like some of the mumbling, you know, for how good the dialogue is, we didn't think capture it as cleanly as I wanted. Aside from that, like I really think it's very masterfully done, very cleverly written, and just uh, it's a lot of fun, but it also isn't. It isn't just like silly for silly to sake. It's still a great story and still good tension and in that way, it's a absolute delight. Give it an A. I mean, so uh, you know, I mean, I agree with everything good you're saying. The mumbling was less of an issue for me, right? Because you know, as an adult, I feel like I can figure that out. What he was trying to say, you know. Like, I'm not saying I'm uh-huh. better than you. I'm just saying, like, <laughs> you know, I'm just implying that I am. You know, that's mm. the real. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, uh, I mean, the most telling thing's got to be that I ordered the, the steel book before it was even done, right? Before the movie was even over. So I feel yeah. like because of that, because the, I've always said that buying the steel book is the highest praise I give a movie. I have to give it an A+, plus, right? Yeah, I'd, I'd say you're right. It deserves it, doesn't it? Does it, Cody? You said, you know what? Oh no, I'll give it a C. I'll give it a C. I'll give Dunkirk the A plus. We'll do that. You know, no, no. I'm here trying to right wrongs. Let's go back. I give Edge of Water an F. The Shape of Water, not Edge. Of, Shape of Water an F. And this the one Edgar a+. of Water. Edgar of Water. Guillermo del Toro, Edgar Wright team up to make a fish sex movie. All right. It's a sequel to both of the movies. Oh my goodness, now we're talking. Can you imagine fish sex is underwater, but also Driving. timed to tequila? Yeah. Amazing. Abraham you know? Sapien returns as man driver. Baby driver. <laughs> man driver. Fish man driver. Fish man driver. Yeah. Oh. Now you're talking. Well, I'm I'm so glad you liked it. I would strongly recommend this movie to uh many you know, it's just it's got that right mix. It's a lot of fun. Well done. And we can all enjoy it. If you like this one, I would definitely check out his other one. Ed Wright's got great movies. His worst movies are still like very enjoyable. He, he doesn't make any duds. Everything from Shaun of the Dead through Last Night in Soho. Very good. And look, if you're not an R-rated movie person, check out Scott Pilgrim vs. Film. It's not rated R. And it's just as delightful. So much humor, much fun. And uh, good job, Edgar. We're, we're all on board. Mm. Mm. Thank you very much for listening. You can share us, rate us, and review us wherever you find podcasts. You can gripe at us at Opinion Havers on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Thank you for listening. Till next time, watch movies and have opinions. Someone uh, asked Edgar Wright why that dude had like all those guns in his car in one of the middle heists. And with the Mike Myers mask. He's like, well, they're in America. And he was in the Marine Corps.
So, of course, he would <laughs> get in his giant truck and drive around with the automatic weapon <laughs> chasing after the criminals. I was like, yeah, it checks out. Yeah. I just assumed that he was like a second security guard or something for the thing. <laughs> to know that he's not makes it that much more ridiculous. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's just what other people think. I think America, they're like guys with trucks and uh, with automatic weapons <laughs> just ready to fight the fight the criminals. 